Hello listeners, are you a fan of horror movies and are curious about the connection of food and horror? If so, get ready to feast on horror with Vanessa's new podcast, Fear Feasts. Check it out on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Sharing the Flavor, a show that connects you with flavor and how to create it. In this show, we connect you with recipes, cooking techniques, and show you a little bit of the science of cooking to help make you a successful cook so you can share flavor with your friends. I'm your host, Andy Gebby. In this episode, we'll be discussing some common misconceptions about Italian food and what is really authentic Italian. We'll be covering a lot from spaghetti and meatballs, chicken parmesan, fettuccine alfredo, cappuccino, and various others. We're also going to discuss some rules around cooking and eating that are very common in Italy. Lastly, we're going to get into some current popular food trends that you may not be aware of that are happening in Italy. So get your cappuccino ready and relax for a fun discussion on food and misconceptions. Because we never talk. Because we never talk. We, no, we're, we we're, we're so antisocial, it's silly. So <laughs> we really do need to use our speaking voices more. I know, I know. So, but um, what was I mentioning about um, culinary things? So um, I did, so I am making chicken parm today, Giovanni. Just saying. It's extraordinary. It is, is going to happen, and I am going to send you a picture of it. That's extraordinarily. And, and, and I, it is going to be a, a, a matriciana style because <laughs> I need to. The chicken parmesan matriciano style is, is perfect. It's just perfect. It's just perfect. I'm going to put it all over social media in all its silly glory. It will I be personally would have fun. preferred you making instead of chicken alfredo parmigiano, which would have been even better. Can you imagine chicken alfredo and, parmigiano? And then okay. remember, it's it's <laughs> always said it and, all. The, and the chicken has to be placed, of course, on top of the pasta, which you must cook for at least 20 minutes. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. And use and the wa- use the, the 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 lowest quality of chicken that you possibly can. And wash mm. the, and you got to wash the noodles. People don't understand. Pasta has to be what you cook the pasta, and then you must wash it. Yes, rinse, rinse you off. You have the, to rinse, rinse it. Off it the has to be. Rinsed. And then, of course, you cook to your Everyone pasta knows. in a pan full of water with lots of oil. Lots of olive oil, oil, exactly. And make sure you put a ton of pasta we on forget. the plate in a yeah. dollop of yeah. sauce. Yes, we do yeah. because, because we forget that that you know it's a, it's a, almost a wild agricultural product, so that. Even though they do the best cleaning it, when they come to the market, they're usually filled with small parasites. Precisely. And, when they and, harvest and pasta in the soil, wild, you never know what's harvest, on that pasta. Now, wild caught pasta is a different nature. Wild caught pasta, that, that's a, a like nice the pasta like they, that, they, that they get from trees. Yes. Yeah, yes. The pasta so they get the from trees. Put the video the in there. Yeah. Now, doesn't it depend upon the particular pasta tree, Giovanni? Though, because they they are they are. There are, there are specialized pastologists that I'm afraid I didn't do my, my homework to know about it. I would love to know about it. But um, I know that there is one which comes in a tree in Alto Adige, which they come up with these really tiny noodles that are they, 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 they're really small noodles. Yeah. And, and, and they, they kind of have this Germanic kind of cry when you catch them. They go, ee, ee. And, <laughs> do that again. Ee, ee. <laughs> <laughs> It sounded like it sounded like the cry of the mandrakes from uh, the Harry Potter movies when you pull them out of nice. the pit. Actually, that's what I was thinking. 
I was thinking it sounded a little bit like the Don, what's his face from the first Godfather when Robert mm. De Niro comes back and takes revenge and then and slices open his belly. And mm. he goes, oh, oh yes. Um, of course, I can't think of his name right now, but yeah. Don Vito something or other. Don Corleone, well, I mean, Don Vito. Yeah. Well, and then so you feed there, are, if there are, it begs the question, if there are spaghetti trees, I'm assuming that that means there are trees of every other type of pasta. Precisely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm curious about the orecchetti tree as well as the tagliatelle. Probably shaped yeah. like a well, big what ear. What sucks now is that the Chinese have come and they dug up some of the trees and they planted some of the orecchetti trees in, in really uh, polluted territory in the center of China and they sell it in, in the United States. You got to be careful. Mm, so they're, they're yeah. Chinese. They're Chinese raised or or, or a kit, a little ears. So this would so this would, would this be a form of of uh, GMO uh, GMO or keti trees from Beijing? I don't know. Remember, they're Chinese. They may simply slice off people's ears and give it to you. I don't know. That's. <laughs> Well, you can't you can't call it culinary appropriation because technically noodles did come from China. Don't forget. Very true. Before they came to to Italy, so so I wanted to ask about um, the Ditalini tree because uh, I she'll I understand get, she'll that get, she'll get mad, but I'll correct her saying that's not exactly true, but that's okay. Oh, uh, we need to go there, Giovanni. Okay, no, that's not don't. totally true. No, we you need don't. to go there. Depends on well, what, so it depends the on the definition of noodle. The Italini is because uh, I'm, my other podcast that I work on, we're doing an episode and uh, we mentioned the term Italini <coughs> in the title. And my uh, my my co-podcast uh, host said that in Southern Italy, Italini is slang for, um, <clears throat> it's something kind of gross, Andy, can we, or not gross, but it's sexual. So am I allowed to say it? Sure, go ahead. You know, fingering. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I just and passed it on. So yeah, you know. And we're Where's off to that? a great and we're off to a great start. Boy, this is this is off to a ripping start already on <laughs> food misconceptions for Italian food. And I'm going to start us off with here. Hello, Giovanni. Hello, Vanessa. So I I was looking at a couple of articles here, and one that really just kind of really made me chuckle was about the fact that spaghetti and meatballs is not Italian at all in any way shape or form but we adore it here in the united states and call it italian and i i thought the most interesting thing about this article which i'll put into the show notes is the fact that i mean really this goes back to the 1800s right when uh and so, so to me the story of spaghetti and meatballs is more of a history story than it is a culinary story right it's not really italian food it's really a story of immigration to the united states and the fact that, you know, in, you know, in 1800s, uh, Italians were immigrating. And then when they came to the United States, you know, there is meatballs in Italy, like polpetti. But when they came to the United States, all of a sudden it was, you know, they, they were very, this, this, these were people that had no money at all. So as they came into contact with things like, you know, greater, greater prosperity, <laughs> Meatballs became American meatballs, right? And this was really a New York City thing. That, you know that they they invented meatballs, and then when canned tomatoes came into being in the early 1900s, marinara sauce. So it was all kind of mixed together, but it was very much a New York thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense if you think about it. Um, I'm sure a lot of the Italian, and this is not a topic I know a lot about, but I did I did my my homework and my research. 
But I would imagine that a lot of the um, Italian immigrants that came over also probably took advantage of the fact that there are probably a lot more food resources in this country that were exactly. not quite as pricey as it may, may well have been in Italy. Um, wasn't So, I mean, Giovanni, you probably know more about this than I do, but when, when was the time that the United States had the most immigration from Italy to oh, America? That, I'm afraid I do not know the terms of numbers because the United States actually divided who they wanted to, to come in depending on what labor was necessary, and that included mm -hmm. Italy, so that they might only have wanted northern Italians at a certain time, sometimes they only wanted southern Italians at a certain time, and they literally had quotas, which they would bring in targeting from where they came in. In terms of the vast number, I'm afraid I do not know, but obviously when you have southern Italians coming in, that's more than likely where the largest influence of meatball and tomato sauce would have come. Mm -hmm. It's usual. Italy, like any other a relatively poor place, you... If you go to Rome and you take a, a walk in the old, uh, too far away from here, you just did, tomatoes aren't from Italy, but you know, mm -hmm. tomatoes come in, and, or, or the famous uh, uh, Neapolitan coffee, which the coffee maker is actually French, but give it to the Neapolitan guy and hey. In other words, Italy has a long history of being extremely inventive as a language, as a culture. So when they leave Italy, you can't make this the probably the biggest problem with Italians themselves when they go abroad and try to criticize other places. You can't make certain things in, in Iowa because you're just not going to find it unless you do everything yourself because it's a kind of cuisine that, that relies on, as a nation, national cuisine, on, on excellent products. Mm -hmm. So to make uh, mm -hmm. the same thing, you can't. Whereas if you, hey, we're in the U.S., what have we got lots of? meat man yeah, exactly. did we make meat i mean that was forgive me borrowing my own phrase andy when we grew up what was for dinner meat amber meat be was meat, for dinner meat yeah. some kind of meat some kind of vegetable and if it wasn't you were evil and ethnic well, i mean think about somebody coming from you know southern italy poverty right and coming in the United States in the land of prosperity and, yeah. you know, and availability of meat and milk and things like that, that made a huge difference, right? So culinary-wise, things change. But what I wanted to say is in the South, and even in Abruzzo, for example, the long meat sauces, the ragus, not the Bologna ragu, Bolognese, but where you, for example, in Calabria or in Puglia have a uh, you take some meat, you shove some cheese and, and flavorings in, and you let the damn thing cook for five hours, and it literally flavors this big pot of tomato marvelously. And you eat that with orecchiette. That's not spaghetti with meatballs, but the flavor is in that direction. Let's get heavily. It's wonderful. It's intense. Yeah. Consoling Sunday type. Well, but so that makes me think of, and I know this is this is a book you've you know blogged about. Vanessa's is Stanley Tucci's book, right? Mm -hmm. And so he talks about in that book that they would make meatballs, but they would make polpetti, right? They would make classic Italian meatballs, which were sure. not meant to be eaten with noodles or red sauce or anything like that. No, but no, then they would sauce, take the left, sauce, they, yes, they would take the leftover ones and make a ragu out of them later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, and the meatballs that they made were not the very large ones that I think we're used to here in the United States. I think, what was the, I forget the comparison size. Maybe I'm guessing like the size of a small coin. Yeah, exactly. They were not yeah, like, meant like to a, be. Like a marble. 
I should put yeah, the, the yeah, links yeah, up. Yeah, like maybe, a marble. Maybe, maybe not. I should put the links up. <laughs> there are in, in the South, they actually do have even pastas with small meatballs. Small. Mm-hmm. But polpette, the meatball, which particularly in Rome he ate a lot of, actually is about the size of a large meatball, a large meatball in the United States. And it often is made oh, okay. with a red sauce. And, but you eat it with bread at most. It's not done with spaghetti. Okay, so you so you'd have the you'd have the meatball with red sauce, but it would be with some type of good bread with it, and that's about it. Yeah, right? the scarpetta is called the scarpetta is the name they use, and uh, that's a, a traditional dish. But again, all over the South, this long mm-hmm. Sunday, and you can imagine what it's like because usually it was the grandmas or mom that would make it, and they start making it like five thirty six in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you slowly cook the tomato and the meat together until it becomes just this one marvelous, consoling Sunday dinner mm-hmm. or Sunday lunch, mm-hmm. I should say. Which and is the, the best way to make any kind of sauce, I think. Um, I always make, uh, not always, but when I do make a tomato sauce, I start it at probably six or seven o'clock in the morning and I cook it very low and slow and probably cook it till about three o'clock in the afternoon and let it kind of. Uh, breakdown, like kind of like if you're if you're cooking alcohol and you want it to reduce, kind of is mm-hmm. the same concept. It yep. tastes so amazing, and it's called a uh, it out. In other words, the sauce isn't supposed to boil, but you're supposed to give little bubbles. Boop, mm-hmm. boop, 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 so boop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, and so that's just the, as far as what is this broadcast is going to be about, Brenda? And I forgot. I still don't know it's what the about food is misconceptions. Going to be. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about fettuccine alfredo soon. <laughs> Well, food misconception. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I thought, if I might, uh, to begin with, I did before, then I got uh, unpleasantly. Hold on a second. I've learned to control the. It's getting going with the coffee. Is that the first, like any large uh, a, a tradition, nation state called, there isn't really an Italian cuisine, just like there isn't really a Chinese cuisine mm-hmm. or an Indian cuisine. Uh, and that's how to begin with. There really isn't. Yeah. Like I mean, would, you, would have... you say that? I mean, as as I was preparing for this show, there there was one article I was reading about. You know, people they were saying, you know, the food that we make here in the United mm. States is fundamentally different. But really, what is Italian cooking is fresh ingredients used to really promote promote what the ingredient is. It's really farm to table, right? It's farm to table and really taken to a high level. It's what most of the world was, guys. This that we forget that industrialization came late in most places. The U.S. was ahead of other places in that, unfortunately, more destructive than not form of uh, agriculture and cultural expression. Mm-hmm. It's sort of you get to the problem by identifying what makes a culture and its cuisine. If you want to define, in my opinion, Italian as a as a nation state cuisine, it probably looks more than anything else like. Japanese, ironically, because it is a cuisine based on enormous quality of artisan products and soil mm-hmm. and heavily reliant on gesture. Literally gesture. Sense. It's heavily reliant. This is unificatory in all of the peninsula. Whereas if you go farther north, it's saying, forgive me, again, using hackneyed for us, Germany, it's procedural. Mm-hmm. Or if you, and the other thing is, the, the nice thing about Italian cuisine, this is something you can say, is that it's actually what you used to eat in the home. French cuisine, you had haute cuisine. That's the mm-hmm. good cuisine. That's the stuff. You, and that's, however, inexpensive rich people's homes. Yeah, it's, it's high art is what Germany, it is. Germany, you have... Go ahead. 
Nope. I was just saying, I mean, French cuisine is high art, but not what's made at home. No. Yeah. And then you go to I'd Germany. I read a quote in a book one time that said, French cuisine is about the food, or is about the chef, and Italian cuisine is about the food, which mm-hmm. I think is, is quite telling. True. Yes. And then you have uh, the sad uh, British cuisine trying their best with their <laughs> not very flavorful, but they have some great products, but they have like three mm-hmm. great products. And then you have the sad German that has something to do with pig fat, and that's basically how they live. <laughs> Forget their beer. It, would, it, would, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a show without a reference. To no, that no, yeah. it wouldn't. I, I, I think we would all be very disappointed if, if we had an episode and there was not some kind of, of derogatory comment about about the Germans. So. No, because good job, easy, Giovanni. Easily, then the someone well German will, will then present to me a whole justifiable list of my misconceptions of because it's a joke. It is a joke. They all We're poking have fun. And it's and it evolves, things evolve. But even in China, you have the yes, regional cuisines. But the the good cuisine is there is the imperial cuisine, which is uh, yeah. really technique heavy, big time mm-hmm. technique heavy, mm-hmm. and expensive to do. In Italy, yeah. you make the stuff in the home, and it has each one their own techniques, and they're really tough techniques if you don't know how to do it. But it's entirely different making a tortellini, a good one which would be like a school in itself, and it'll take you a couple of weeks working a lot just on that, just to start to get to be decent, just making the noodle. Mm-hmm. That's not even including of how I'm learning how to make the the pasta, which would take right. another chunk of time. It's important technique, and everything is different from place to place to place. Anyway, that's, I think, where one should begin, is that there isn't really an Italian cuisine, and even chefs up until a little while ago even now just don't get it particularly the french high cuisine chefs and yeah. things that are particularly for me to do the garlic and olive oil with you have start left. making fun of jacques pepin again you're this hurting my jacques feelings <laughs> he's a nice guy don't make fun yeah of him. giovanni but I, I think giovanni's correct in his in what he says about there's not any real true concept of what is italian food because italy itself well, I mean, Italy, as we know it, didn't really come into being until, what was it, 1861, mm-hmm. which is when all the is this, the nation states were all unified, right? And in 1861, yeah, so it became what we by, know as Italy today. But it is, it is you know, from the time that I traveled there, I was really amazed at, at just the, the wide variety of, of the cuisine going from someplace like Venice down mm-hmm. to the Amalfi Coast down to um, Positano, over to a place called Bari, and Tuscany, and all places in between. And it is just a huge variety of, 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 of food and cuisine and, and techniques as well. Yeah, the thing um, I was amazed I mean, by, the thing I was amazed by is, to me, it's almost like a, it's a culinary map that mm-hmm. that's as, as vast as the United States, but is the size of California. It's really mm-hmm. It's really amazing that when you travel the coast by train or wherever, and you're going to these wildly different culinary areas because they were so affected by their environment. Yeah. And that's what makes it really special. Anyway. And by the seasons as well. Um, seasonal, mm-hmm. putting seasonal vegetables and fruits and things of that nature. Um, when I was in Italy, we were there in the spring into the early summer. And I had, I remember eating um, pizza. And of course, you know, pizza is such an ubiquitous part of um, American culture and what Americans perceive of as, as Italian food. Um, what I was surprised about when I went to Italy is that I actually had pizza, and this is going to sound kind of 
stupid. But at the time, I had never had pizza with zucchini on it, which, mm-hmm. you know, now you can put anything on a piece of pizza. But I just had never thought about it. You know, I grew up Pizza Hut. You know, you got pepperoni, mushrooms. Maybe if you were lucky, you got pineapple and ham. Disgusting. But so that was sort of a revelation for me of like, you know, how good pizza could really be because um, it was fantastic pizza in Florence. Yeah. But it, but it's interesting because I've, I've in some research that I've started to do, um, I was reading that, and this is probably true, Giovanni. Again, you probably know more about this than I do, but that putting meat putting meat on pizza is was never a thing in Italy. Like it's you can't you don't think of, of pizza without meat here in the United States. But is that is that true, Gio? No, I mean you can't. Classic is a salt pepperoni. Is no, that's no. Uh, but uh, sausage with broccoli and cheese is like a classic trilogy. Uh, oh, really? It's a combination. Think, just think about it a minute. Broccoli and cheese and sausage sounds tremendous, yeah. actually. Pork, broccoli, broccoli and, and cheese, cheese combined oh is just like carrots, celery, and 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 uh, onion. It's just a classic. You can't go wrong, and that's something you put in, in uh, anywhere. Now in okay. Italy, they're they're big into gourmet, so they're actually expanding it and. Maybe some of the best pizza you can have now is no longer in Italy regarding that because there's been an expansion. <clears throat> but like everything else, um, if you want to say Neapolitan p- pizza, you can only get Neapolitan pizza in Naples because it has to do with the water. So what does it people- have to do with the water and the, and, the, and the flour that's used in the making of? Everything. Mm-hmm. That's even why, for example, in making pizza, before you would always look for a wood-burning oven. <laughs> But when you say we're bringing someone who knows how to do it, which would mean in Naples, who loves what they do and wants to give it to you, and people know so they won't let you fuck up. Because, for example, you cannot do it right after the wood has been burning because the smoke has to already have died down and gone up. If it gets too smoky, that's already bad. It's also, of course, it causes cancer too. But more importantly, now they're switching away more to electric uh, stoves because... One thing is getting wood, and you know where the frick the wood is coming from, and what kind of wood is getting there. Precisely. You do not and, want and, to and be making that, a pizza with young, green, forgive me if using the illusion, Chinese <clears throat> wood, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to basically get you ill. And so now yeah. that is changing. But yeah, you need to have the right wheat, you need to have the right uh, stuff and that attention is effectively a bit of an italic deal. It is. That is it to is. say, uh, we have Latin-based things like Spain and France, but even more so, so that just things can reflect even in language. This is a really simple, banal way of saying it. But instead of if I say casa, casone, casetta, casina. You guys understand probably because you have casino, small house, caso in a big house, caseta, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. etc. Whereas in English we have house, cottage, mansion. The whole freaking word changes. Right. And so the concept of how to change things, you don't have to change the whole freaking concept. You just got to you're, you're cook it better or, or do it better. tweaking the word, right? You're, you're, you're great. You're, That's you're, all. And so it's, it's a nuance. And it's result oriented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine instead of being in Germany, particularly where the damn subject comes at the end of a really long sentence. You don't even know what the fuck the thing is about until the end of the line. <laughs> so they've got these sweets. They've got these sweets. 
the, the classic thing is tiramisu. We, we had a thing about tiramisu, and there are a whole bunch of ways to make tiramisu, obviously the classic, <laughs> but it's still something which is friendly. Probably the most famous uh, dessert. Now, apart from Black Forest, the famous German cake is that seven, it's got that seven layers. It's got to be exactly seven layers. Or the French, they say, no, no, for equal cooking, you must have all the zucchini cut exactly the same way. So you must do the same way. And the problem is that what has happened over the time is that you realize, you know, that's true. The problem is you don't even know what the hell they're saying. (laughs) Well, that's that's the first challenge. The thing is, is that you realize that, you know, what's cool is that access doesn't work that way because our mouths like variety. So if the zucchini is not exactly cut the same every fucking piece, Kind you of interesting. Inference mm-hmm. and dopaminetic, and you get some crunch and you get some softness, and that happens without all the work, guys. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not. It's, it's just lovely it, and how unique. Does it taste. Yeah. Well, and it's also seasonal as well. Mm-hmm. And seasonal. I would imagine. I would so imagine that, that oh. what you put on your food or what you put in your food is going to change uh, depending on the seasons. What, what you have readily available. Yeah, they, I mean, think about in the. Winter months, you've you have kind of preserved things, so you're going to mm-hmm. be cooking differently. As as you know, things become more prevalent of like fruits and vegetables and like that. Your your palate is going to change. What you're mm-hmm. cooking is going to change. One of one of the things I wanted to talk about here, Joe, with this is and this and I'll put it in the show links that there was like a thing that had to do with the these are the air quote laws, but it, but these are the things that you do. But what I want to do is kind of start the day the Italian way. And I want to talk about cappuccino, right? And the fact that Italians, you know, will refuse to serve you cappuccino afternoon because it's not meant to be drying. Well, that was interesting. Not meant to be consumed uh, after lunch, period. Yeah. Again, the thing is, is just try not to work so hard. What makes sense? I hate to say this, but it is kind of like dressing well, which they used to. That what looks good. Uh, it, it's part of the culture, and so in the morning, for example, for a long time, science was saying, "Well, the worst thing you can do is to have milk and coffee together because it's actually supposed to be very a, a bad combination." We don't give a fuck. That's what you ate in Italy, basically, in the morning: of coffee, milk with 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 a cornetto. Well, that's still the basic thing. If before mm-hmm. in the mountains you didn't have uh, uh, coffee, you had just milk with something, but that's what you have. It's come out lately that instead what happens is that when you actually heat the milk and you heat the coffee, actually it's being very relaxing, very relaxing. I mean, for it's not a bad thing to do. It's actually a good thing to do. And he said, gee, you think? It's and worked well it. for the Italians for a long time. Well, it's not. It, it just makes sense. If it then doesn't make sense, you stop. That's like the pizza thing where... Uh, you know, if it's done right, that's cool. But if it's not, you know, you, you got to change. Uh, well, also, I mean, like, who, who who drinks a cappuccino in the afternoon? Unless you're, I mean, you're not going to sleep. Oh, I do. Precise. You oh, do. you drink cappuccino in the afternoon? They well, they, they serve you there in Italy, Joe? Yeah, anytime. Not, 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 I, I don't mind having coffee and milk once in a while in the afternoon. So do, so if you were to go to a bar, would they serve you cappuccino? Sure, afternoon? anytime. Really? Why not? You just steam the milk and put in the coffee. So they're, probably laugh, they're probably laughing at him in the back, though. They're probably, look at this Italian guy ordering a cappuccino in the afternoon. 
<laughs> it, it's just kind of, no, it's just kind of, it's kind of gross. It's kind of sick. It's like particularly American tourists and some Germans North like to have cappuccino with their dinner. They really that's do. The, that's one of the things I read is Italians like are like literally offended by that. No, they, they're not really offended unless you're the chef and you're thinking, you know, you're going to ruin what I'm working here to try to make you happy doing. Um, uh, but they do and they have, but again, that's, it doesn't really make sense. But you know, the Brits wear white socks with sandals. You can make, <laughs> you can make the argument that that's a nice, a nice look. But not necessarily. Awesome. It, but it doesn't make sense. No. Again, all these things are. Some American tourists wear white socks with sandals as well. I hate to be the one to break this sad news, but it's true. It's a thing. Uh, I don't yeah. get it. At most, I get it Me only neither. in a in a particular context. But even then, I mean, white socks with sandals. I can understand a nice Welsh uh, 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 or Irish uh, gown and a gown. What's it called? The Irish gone for men. I don't know. I, I don't know. Kiln, kiln. A kilt? Oh, kilt. That's, 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 yeah. that's not Irish. Don't ever say that to an Irishman. Exactly. No, he no, will, he will I, kick your ass. I know, but Irish people make have that too. So do the Welsh, actually. Don't get mad at me. You forget that I'm actually, my grandmother was Irish. And I did not know this. You, uh, you now you, you have you have a very interesting um, mix of uh, genes there, don't you? you? I thought you were all Italian, then come to find out you're half no, American, the name and is... I come to find out that you have some um, Austrian in you, and now you're saying that you have some Irish too. So what's next? We all do basically. No, but this is not too distant because it's one grandmother was Irish from Welsh immigrants. Anyway, all I'm saying is that uh, uh, some things make sense, and that's kind of the notion of italic thing is, does it make sense? Right. And is it, is it, are they meant to be paired together? Is it, is it, is, does it actually... It's just part of the work? culture. It's part of the thing. When you walk, you've been in Italy, both been in Italy, and you look at how the houses used to be made and how the centers downtowns were. Remember that these things, there were schools, but there weren't that many schools, and you sort of, what makes sense? You look at how... Compare that to how things are modernly and you use geometry and then you try to put building laws and codes. And then you look at old Italian villages more than any other place, including Spain. And it just looks right. Mm -hmm. And there weren't architects making this stuff. These were artisans and you just, it's part of the culture. It just looks yeah. right. It's a reflection of the culture. And, yeah. and it, what makes sense. And that's kind of in the cuisine itself. What, what works, what, what, what do we have and how does it work together? Well, Just, so the, so then the next thing I wanted to talk about you, and this had to do with, well, I mean, we, we, we tease a lot mm -hmm. about chicken parm, especially pasta with chicken parm and things like that, but it's the concept of meat and pasta are two separate dishes. They're not meant to be together. There's the hilarious quote from uh, Big Night when I, uh, Stanley Tucci was saying, sometimes a meatball like to be left alone, right? And just, pasta I, and meat, not together. Don't get mad at me, Andy. That's something even you don't get. I don't know why it's tough for people not to get it. Important chef, Jack Pepin doesn't get it. It's pasta. It's a freaking <laughs> first course you flavor the well, i was gonna say look at most i mean look all. at every menu in italy they have the 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 primi the secondi that and the is, primi is always the the pasta, pasta. i was gonna mm -hmm. say it does distinguish effectively italic at least by and large italic cuisines it's not 
a French appetizer. And he's like, you know, this is still first, second, third, by and large, mm -hmm. when you have the full meal. And the first dish is some kind of a grain carbohydrate and not a ton of it. And that's, that's what that's you do. the big thing too. Not a ton of it, that, right? And, I remember And, and that they're ahead. not swamped in tons and tons of, of, no. of sauce either. And in a small amount, you don't want too many. It's usually eighty grams or so. In the South they give you 180 grams, but that's because of, of big hearts. And that's all it is. You don't put crap on it. It's just and it's good by itself, guys. It's good. It really is. Trust me. Just have a nice forkful and it's really cool. You don't have anything? Butter's great. A nice butter with a good noodle. You'll be mm -hmm. shocked. It's delicious. I just had some for dinner. The sauce ah. is meant to swathe the pasta, not drown the pasta. And you're That's supposed to be like. you're supposed to be eating the eating the pasta and enjoying the starchiness and wonderfulness of the pasta, not drowned <clears throat> in something that is destroying it. Just not like drowned the, in Amatriciana sauce, Andy. There you go. We had to get that one in. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come in with the second course, which is usually not a ton of stuff. Again, all these things are still very solid, but they are being eroded uh, here as well. And again, here well, the biggest thing coming up is why do you think that is, dress. Giovanni? Is it because uh, the, is it because of the length of time that meals would take with a, with like a first, second, and third course that they're trying to be no, compressed more? Because that's what I, I read really somewhere about so. a lot of Italian I think that's an excuse. menus. I think, think that's an excuse because this is happening before. Okay. There's been a pretty adamant. Uh, uh, destruction of Italian productive system from the late 1970s on. For the, mm -hmm. That's a longer and a bit more rich discourse, which I know you guys aren't, and this isn't the, the scope of this kind of podcast. And uh, the Italian culture was uh, very ingrained, it still is. And the fun thing is how, as aspects of how you eat changed, is how many fucking mistaken English words are used now in everyday speech. And it's riotous it's happened quickly give me an example that you in instead of saying um uh, consistenza dicono they say texture allora um, importante il texture della pasta what it, what's important is the is the is the texture of the pasta which would be consistenza or, or no found ottimo texture what they're now using texture instead of other things. Uh, and then lots of, of false sayings, which was launched famously by Romano Prodi, who ends up being a real devil. I thought it was a nice guy. And he says, competition is competition. There's no fucking English motto saying competition is competition. Have you guys ever heard competition is competition? Never. No, competition is and it's competition is competition. There's no fucking competition. It's competition, you neoliberal piece of shit. God damn. And it's being used. And as that changes, we're getting more and more hamburger. There's a number so of you're mentioning all you about can that eat sushis. All you can eat sushis are all over the place. Really? China is buying half of Italy. <clears throat> There's so much recycled Chinese money in the north of Italy. And it's shocking. Where I live, there are just Chinese massive stores all over the place. And... And literally, in the bars and restaurants, that was the video. And as that happens, the fundamental part of no, there's nothing wrong since you're here. Let's have a nice risotto. The rice fields are 
10 kilometers that way. <laughs> and it's really good stuff. But because it's not uh, sort of hip and in thing, and because you have laws, which means that making rice the right way, agriculture is much more expensive now relative to importing some meat. Mm. And so you can have a cheaper American hamburger. There are tons of Texas Roadhouse Grill, for example, through McDonald's and Burger King. Really? Yeah, all over the place. And I can go there for ten ninety five and buy a hamburger with fries. But if I want to make or eat one risotto, also because it doesn't it's not conducive to chain food, I'm gonna to have to pay fifteen at least. So you're gonna go and you're gonna have that nice satisfying meat and the risotto is going to be less and less and less which is actually a much better flavor well that's the case here in the united states as well if you think about it you go to the store to buy uh vienna leone rice or the 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 rice that you're supposed to use to make risotto and it's it's like seven eight dollars a bag i mean it's crazy it's crazy it's insane how much it is I mean, and then if you want, like my favorite risotto is um, butternut squash or pumpkin with sage. I mean, sage mm-hmm. is three or four dollars for those containers. You know, butternut squash, pumpkin, three four dollars. The rice is seven or eight dollars. So I'm yeah, with Giovanni on that one is like fifteen sixteen dollars to like make something meal. very basic risotto, which is basically a rice dish. Yeah, it's a it's premium cost it's for a poor basic people's food. Mm-hmm. It was it poor people's food, and now instead, mm-hmm. your your a combination of neoliberal type laws are trying their best to destroy the notion of simple, classic, local, very ecological sound production and eating. Then you have the element of time, but in reality, that's somewhat true because you do have to have someone cooking. But the Sunday dinners, that has to do with instead the fact that before you had larger families that were more closely related. Yes. Now, from the South, you'll have one person living in New Jersey, one person living in Milano, no one living there anymore. So you don't have the Sunday dinner or the Saturday dinner where you did have someone making all these classic dishes together. Mm-hmm. Even, the, the, even, the, yeah. even the concept of like, and this goes back to Stanley Tucci's book, is the idea of the meals were more elaborate earlier in the week, but as they were stretching dollars later in the week, they were mm-hmm. simple meals, but they were still very good meals. Yeah. They, they, it's just fewer mm-hmm. ingredients. And, and then Sunday was the day that you that you make all of your food for the week. Awesome. You know, that just that that concept and that perception of of you know Sunday the Sunday sauce as the as the um, as the cliche about making uh, ragu sauce for Italian Americans goes, you know, Sunday is Sunday is for sauce. But I thought it was interesting when I was doing some research on this topic because, um, you know, a lot of I think you know talking about perceptions of Italian cuisine and Italy in general among Americans in particular, I think you can see a lot of that how that misconception came about even in in just how a lot of American. Italian American food is is packaged and labeled. Like I always think of the the contadina sauce, which is what we grew up. You know, my grandmother would make spaghetti and meatballs, and she would make either ragu or they use the contadina sauce. And the woman was a wonderful cook, but that was the one thing she could not. Make and I wouldn't eat it. But I, when I grew up, when I started learning about Italian cuisine, and, and the word, term contadina is 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 a peasant. You know, somebody who works farmer. in the fields. Is that correct? Farmer. Farm, a farmer. A farmer, yeah. Feminine. But when you think about Feminine, like this farmer. perception that Americans have about Italy, or at least what I did growing up and what a lot of people I knew did, you know, they think about this 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 perception of these these happy, 
you know, happy people working in the field and coming home to this, this house where they spend, you know, hours making these wonderful meals. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, they're the, 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 the class of people who worked the fields probably didn't have access to the kind of food that they were, that they were farming. So it is, it is an interesting dichotomy, yes. isn't it? I do have to note one thing, as you guys are speaking, the one thing which in the South and even the North was very important is that Italians, even poor Italians, one thing they always had, this is even locally, is almost everyone would make a good chunk or at least a good part of their own food. Almost mm-hmm. everyone had an orticello. Almost everybody had a small chunk of land to make things like like pumpkin, etc. You're talking, you said about sage, even now, I know I always have sage and basil as soon as from March on, wherever I am, I put it in the pot and it, it is a lot cheaper. Heck, you're in, you can do that quickly and he has to wait another month. But everybody in the South, it's weird because you'd always make your own stuff. Literally. Yeah, you would, you would grow, you would grow it and you would mm-hmm. make it. So they didn't have money. Other thing is you don't, you didn't eat much meat. In the mountains, you had polenta and polenta. And then some polenta with milk, and polenta, and then polenta with a chestnut, and then more polenta. <laughs> and then once a year, you would kill a pig, and every piece of that pig was going to be eaten and honored mm-hmm. and yep. made right. And it's going to be an event when you eat the stuff, and it's going to be exactly. delicious, and there's going to be song, and there's going to be dance. And then you're going to go back to eating polenta. And... <laughs> And go in the fields and collect the, the wild herbs and such. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the sort of thing which we we did. And Vanessa's right. Most Italians were, I suppose, a poor country, which then after World War II became behemoth in an embarrassingly short time, which was a problem for international politics. Uh, you guys probably don't know that Italy was the fourth industrial power at the end of the 70s. Didn't know that. It's pro capita. Yeah, it's pro capita, including the South, was a lot higher. Was higher than Germany's. Hmm. That's only the West, not including East Germany. And that's when you started to have um, U.S. and other individuals saying, "Guys, you got to calm down. You can't grow that fast. You can't do this much." And that's what's happened to Italy in the meantime. And that's why you no longer have. Mm-hmm wages so that someone can spend more time, not every day, but cooking more and making sure the quality of what you're making is better. And, and, and yeah, once a week, there was an elaborate meal as, as Vanessa correctly, I think, uh, researched and read. And most of the time you didn't, but you still had good stuff because you'd make it yourself. Almost everyone in the South at least have what's called a giardiniera. You make vegetables in the summertime. And then you mm-hmm. put it in your own little thingies under vinegar, um, mm-hmm. and vinegar under under uh, salamoya. Uh, what's it called? You're can you're you're preserve you're preserving them and, and you're then, suspending them in was it oil and salt? And then you eat that after eating a little bowl of pasta in the wintertime, mm-hmm. and 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 it's perfectly fine and very healthy mm-hmm. too. Now yeah. instead you have all you can eat sushi. And but uh, but a lot of what you're talking about. Geo, the industrialization of food, specific, particularly in the United States, came came about after World War II and, and specific right. to Italian food. I think we had mentioned this in one of our previous episodes. 
Um, you know, during <clears throat> World War II, there was an initial perception of Italian Italians as being evil or Italian food being evil. It was called the food of the enemy because Italy was initially on the side of the Nazis before they changed sides. And so there was a, a he was a chef. His name was um, Ettore Boyardi, Ettore Boyardi. And he actually was very, he was, grazie, he was responsible for basically trying to change the perception in America about Italian food. So people, you know, people, one of the, one of the things that people think about when they think about Italian food is they think, oh, Chef Boyardee. Well, it's not really Italian food, but it came about because of Ettore Boyardi, who actually um, died and was buried in Ohio near you, Andy. In Chardon, Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's this, I think a lot of um, these culinary things are a byproduct of the time period that mm -hmm. they were trying to navigate. Mm -hmm. And with us, it was the post-war era time period. Yeah. Um, again, reading Stanley Tucci's book about a family living in New York, right? And, and immigrating from, was it Calabria? And the fact that when he talks about, you know, how they preserved foods, like you're talking about, Giovanni, how they preserved certain peppers and things like that, how they canned tomatoes, mm -hmm. how they how they did these things. It was all Italian in background because it's a community doing this. These are people trying to uh, uh, trying trying to eat well on a budget and they did it right by by a lot of effort. What yeah. I probably should have emphasized is that what in the US we don't get though some people that a little bit though that's been less because it was heavily industrialized even earlier in that if you have well-made bread and a decent olive oil and salt, it's a really delicious meal. It if you is. have a little bit more money and you have some of the local cheese, which every farm made, that's marvelous. If you have, and that's one thing in the United States, which I sh was shocked to hear about. I didn't realize that in the U.S. We, you still can't get Italian salami. It doesn't no. exist. You, it doesn't exist. It does you can't get exist. it. You can't get Italian salami, and even something like olive oil. I was going to ask you about olive oil. A lot of there's getting true olive oil from Italy is hmm, well, not quite there. I think. Well, it's, no, you, you can, but it's, it's more expensive. What I was trying to get at is that is the notion of having a chunk of the population that is really happy uh, having a little bit of bread with one of these salami makers and the stuff here is just orgasmic True. and you don't That's have nice. the, I didn't the reason because in the US you they didn't let it they literally and they still don't let it happen you're simply not allowed yeah, you have to, to sneak export. it back in and hope they don't search your luggage at customs because those mm -hmm. those sons of bitches will go through your luggage and steal your steal and, your Italian shit when I came back from Italy me those too. bastards me I had too. olive oil that I had balsamic fucking vinegar beagle. that fucking beagle at JFK fucking assholes fucking beagle at JFK Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't yeah. even then, and she wouldn't even let me eat the damn thing there was. Okay, then I'll eat it here. No, you're not. You fucking you and your fucking dog. Hispanic crap. Sorry, she's <gasps> Hispanic. You're insulting my people. I don't care. <laughs> you should. No. Yes. You should be human about it and say, eh, bring it in. Because if I'm going through the damn private part of the airport, hey, not all of no us are like that. Okay, checks. I don't like to eat your sausage at customs. No one, no one checks. If you're rich and you go through the the other part of the airport, no one checks your luggage. They come in with everything they want at any time. People in America don't get this, but if you got money, you come in. You can come in with anything you want. 
the other part of the airport. No one, no one, no one stops you. It's true. You need to marry a rich woman so you can sneak us in some stuff there, Gio. Yes, please. And bring the salami with, bring the salami with and the olive oil. Yes. Please bring the salami, Giovanni. Sorry, I I had to. I'm sorry. I had to. I want to, I want to change. We're talking about salami. I want to change. I know it was going, it was very straight, you know, long and meaty. Um, um, Are you talking about your shank again? We haven't mentioned your shank no, in a long time. So is, I had to throw it. Sorry, we, I had to throw it in there. We, we needed to get there eventually. Yes, I know. Anyway, all I was trying to emphasize is that you cannot have that and at the same time have a neoliberal policy where everyone has to have Coca-Cola. I wanted to get to the fact that here, one thing which was great, which Andy had when he was here in the summertime and you had a little bit, was ice tea. It was awesome. Every bar awesome. made the best iced tea. And when I bring people here with the ones mm-hmm. making it, they'd be like, oh my God. It's magic. Because in Italy? Mean, yeah. Yes. They had the, you, you came here too late, Vanessa, probably. Andy did not. Too earlier. I think I was there too early. No, too late. No. You don't no, understand. Was, let me, let me finish explaining. Let me finish explaining. Oh, I see what you're saying. Then the European Union stepped in and said, you're not allowed to make iced tea without having a lab and using consort- preservatives. The lab is about 10 grand and inducing preservatives is against what they do. And from that moment on, in the bars, except for a few that can afford it, you've got to buy a can of Nescafe or Nest, Nest, Nesty or something. And in addition, even worse, Andy, it's not just tea. They don't even let you make real iced coffee, which is simply strong espresso put in the fridge really Are sweet. You serious? You're not allowed to sell that anymore. If you were to talk even now to people... Somebody did talking about them. You can see them really steam coming out of their noses and ears because that's part of our culture. Yes. And a European dumb law said no. And it closed forever. That's, and that's a small instance. And that will continue and continue and continue and continue. But that's one of those. They, they were going to close pizza down too. And then there was a real rebellion, literally there on the streets, because they were going to outlaw wood-burning ovens. In Europe. You've got to be kidding me. No. The other thing which is funny about that, who proposed this law? Two Italians that make lots of electric ovens for pizzas. Well, and so they proposed yeah. the, that's, you know, that's the nice part of Italy. <clears throat> They'll fuck you and fuck other Italians without even thinking about it and then complain about it afterward. That's not just Italy, Gio. That's I not just Italy, everywhere, you know. buddy. That ain't, that ain't just Italy, honey. That's, that's <laughs> everywhere, everywhere you go in this yeah, world anymore, unfortunately. That's the good old, that's the good old mm-hmm. capitalist way right there, buddy. Seriously, anyway, right when there. When that happened, there was literally a, 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 an hour of people on the street saying, that's it, we're leaving Europe because you cannot take away wood-burning ovens. I would also imagine that would have been a huge blow to the uh, tourism industry, you know, of Americans yeah. w- coming wanting their wood-burned pizza. Yeah, they they couldn't get it anymore. And it was know. there. Was it going to be passed? But those sorts of laws are continuing, continuing, continuing. And that's the problem when you have a, a rich culture that's not neoliberal based. And then you run into this, these laws up top. And, and, and it's not just Italy, but it's Italy's probably the place where individually has been most uh, contrasting with uh, with this imposition of new laws, even to the point where in, if you have an apple variety and you've been making a, this happened, a, a sweet based on this apple variety, but you did not get it into the EU list of kinds of apples officially recognized by the European community. Mm-hmm. If you keep on making that 
hundreds and hundreds of year old sweet based on your local apple, it becomes illegal. So the oh, best thing you can do is, it's true, but it's just don't say anything. And that's happened more than one place because they have a list of kinds of apples and pears, etc. Probably grapes too. But you have how many thousands of different varieties of apples we, we, we've forgotten because in the U.S., well, we, we, we made like that. Yeah. And if you're not allowed in, he, the difference when you have uh, a large organization, sovereign national organization, that makes uh, laws for all of the, the territory, there's nothing you can do once the laws are made. Hmm. And so that sort of thing is continuing to happen. But you can always go out the door or now call up Deliveroo. Do you have Deliveroo in the United States too? No, I was going to, so I know you mentioned in a previous episode. And so in the United States for us, gosh, this would be like Grubhub or how would be the other one, Vanessa? This would be like a DoorDash. Uber Eats. Uber Eats. The big one, the big one is Just Eat with Katy Perry being the big spokesman. I never, so you mentioned that the last time. So Katy Perry is the spokesperson for Just Eat. Yes. And probably, That's a good reason not to ever use that service right there. <laughs> I can't laugh. Pardon. Thank you. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, they're, the all, they're all over here. And they're almost all uh, uh, Latin Americans and some Nigerian, most Latin Americans. No, some Thailand and Indian as well. And they're all in little electric bike fat tire with their Just Eat and Deliveroo. Oh, see, now I know what to do for a job when if I ever move to to uh, Italy. There, Joe. Yeah, be careful. Take my Hispanic ass be and get careful. a job working for Just Eat. Be careful. Yeah. Get on your motorino and go. Be careful. These are, there is a ton I of I might mafia. get a Fiat. No, be careful. I'm serious. There is a lot of violence involved in this kind of control. Seriously. There was a giveaway during the lockdown of motor scooters by the government. Just before the lockdown, I should say. Motor scooters, you know, the motor scooters, they said that we're going to have most of them, which are really yeah. dangerous, by the way. Not, you know, the things you stand on, what do they call it? Scooters, scooter, but you're standing on them and they have electric motor. And there was a giveaway because, and, and uh, it was first come, first serve. And it was humorous because literally all of them went to immigrant, immigrant, immigrants, people who weren't yeah. born in Italy. It was humorous because literally all of them went to, even though it was a first come, first serve. And they all got it for free. Imagine that. And as far as the Libru, there are plenty of Italians that would like to do that. But you got to be careful because if, if you can be Hispanic, but you got to, you know, maybe get with a sisterhood and you're going to, you'll, you'll, you'll take 60%, but 40% is going to go to someone else. Mm. Vanessa. But that's how it is here. It is here there so, too. I mean, these, these corporations that that's what, the, the fees that they charge. So these delivery drivers, they don't make good money. They I mean, these Zippo. corporations, it's disgusting yeah, how, happening, yeah. how much, much, and then they jacked up the prices during COVID when we were all having to stay in. So I, yeah, yeah I remember I, I refused to use them. I would just, I would, I would just Same. go and pick up where my mask and go pick up deliver, you know, take out, but I, I refuse to pay those, those insane fees. And that's, that's just what crazy. they're saying so, here. And, yeah, support and, the restaurant, don't support mm -hmm. the corporation. And that's yep, what I want exactly. to do. And we want to, the problem is it's becoming harder and harder to do because you've got all this stuff. And at the end, you, yeah. don't, you don't have a lot of money either. Before, okay, eat a little. I'm already poor, but anyway, eat a little and eat whatever, but it's becoming harder and harder to do. And even in Italy as well. And so... Anyway, didn't mean to, to go yeah. on that, that, that rabbit hole, but that's no, okay. I mean, the, the other thing I said, I, I really do fundamentally believe that 
Italian or the philosophy of Italian cooking is the philosophy of farm to table, hyper fresh ingredients, um, make what makes sense cooking, not super, not super involved procedurally, just knowing yeah. what works and what's in season. Yep. <laughs> yeah, very basic, I mean, basic way of cooking. You you would think that that you know that would be sort of a universal, co- you know, universal concept that everybody would follow. But again, I, I unfortunately, as we were talking about, having access to good quality ingredients is becoming Difficult. so financially challenging. It is. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. to to eat to eat in a farm to table style is more expensive than stuff that's yeah. not healthy for you, which is very yeah. sad. Uh, well, I mean, yes. think about McDonald's in this country. I mean, par- there are poor, you know, parents who, you know, have families of two, three kids, just not that big of a family. It's cheaper to go buy their kid crap at McDonald's than it is to go make them a healthy meal. Isn't that sad? Yeah. It's, it's terrible. I mean, and think about all the, the health problems and things like that related to it. Mm-hmm. It's easy. It's easier to eat a manufactured piece yeah. of thing that will make you unhealthy. It's really so I think it is interesting what you were saying, Giovanni, because again, I think a lot of people have this perception in their minds of, of Italy being this sort of promised land, this place of happy people and wine and cheese and pasta. And, you know, I certainly never thought of, you know, food delivery services in, in, in the context of, of Italy. So, you know, again, this is, this is something new in terms of this overall, you know, cultural perception that I think a lot of Americans and maybe even people from Britain have about, about Italy. Yeah. Well, because in there's still wherever you get away from money, too much money or large cities, you still have as much as possible that wine and food and, and friendliness, which is the hallmark of what Italy used to be. I would. I mean, um, I remember fondly Giovanni of being in the hills of Montalcivano or being in the hills of um, of Tuscany. It's agricultural. It's delightful. It's simple. It's wonderful. Well, what I didn't know, Andy, is that when when we went to have some of that, um, it's not exactly finocchio. Finocchio, ah, scusi. It's a sub of finocchio. It's a really delicious salami. Where we would go in Greve, it was actually considered one of the best salamidia. That's the other thing is that in Italy, uh, a whole bunch of uh, there are kinds of salamis, <clears throat> which is why there's a misconception regarding if you come here from from other places. Just like in Spain, there's a kind of salami, kind of this, but that doesn't mean it's 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 within that that broad definition. There are bazillion makers. It's like beer. There's no longer like two beer makers. There are a whole bunch of beer makers. <clears throat> and salami in Italy is each one has, and the salami where we would go to that salamiera is is one of the historical in Italy and one of the best in Italy, where we went. Cool. In Greve in Chianti, I didn't know that. But where is it? I didn't know. Greve in Chianti, Greve. Where is that? What it's region? In Tuscany, Chianti. In Chianti. Yeah. Okay. Chianti Shire. Make a note. Chianti Shire. I'll make a note of that for my. <laughs> While the Brits yeah, came there. Now they're coming to Abruzzo, which is such a drag. Middle That's class, really but sad. it's still a drag. They're going to make the prices go before I can ever buy a house. <clears throat> well, folks, I think Highway this robbery been... seems to be your next option, Giovanni. No. Or bank, or bank robbery. Bank robbery. Don't forget to bring the salami to the United States. Please. Yeah. Some olive oil, some balsamic vinegar. And don't let those son of a bitches take it from you at customs either. Yeah. I'll bring you some. You fight them to the I'll, death for that. I'll bring some good chorizo. 
There we go. With them so that they'll say, tell you what, I'll give the chorizo if you let me bring the fedina. Well, especially eh, if you eh, have a Hispanic eh, person eh. who, like you were saying, That's you know, I mean. there you go. I'll give you the chorizo, exactly. but you let me take the fedina with me. Fedina is a kind right. of salam. A little for you, a little for me. Oh, I think that is a great trade-off. Cool. Uh, Giovanni, you were talking about language here a little bit earlier, and I had something that a friend of mine had said that is another um, kind of a language and culinary misperception about food in Italy is the concept of eating uh, al fresco. And so she was telling me that the concept of fresco, well, what do we think of when we think of al fresco here in the United States? We think of eating outdoors or on a balcony somewhere. Well, she was saying that in, uh, at least in Southern Italy, uh, al fresco means to be in prison, which I thought was really oh, yeah. funny. Well, yeah, and I wanted to ask you about you that, Giovanni. Well, you can. However, you can, you can, you can it's true. Um, and farther south, al fresco means that you've been, you've been, you've been put in jail. <laughs> That's but hilarious. in reality, I know, I know. I laughed so hard when I heard that. Though we don't use it that much, you can use al fresco in some places, and they realize that you're talking about going outside. She was saying uh, al aperto of, or fuori. Al aperto, fuori, use, or al aperto use more often. Al aperto, okay. Because cool. it means without being inside, basically. Al fresco means fresh, fresco means fresh. Um, or cool. Not cool as in, Joe uh, cool, as cool as in temperature. So, but there are places where they can, you'll, you'll, you say that and they'll understand what you mean. That's funny. There's something funny, so funny in the concept of saying, um, I want to eat, you know, I want to eat in prison. Honestly, that that's like a whole dining concept right there. I know, we, right? So we need, we need, we need, we need to create a restaurant where you're eating in a prison and we'll call it dining. Al well, fresco. Al fresco. That would be cool. Dining Giovanni, there's a business cool. opportunity for you right there. You could make millions. Dining al fresco. Dining al fresco. And on that note, it's been a very fun time talking about misconceptions. And, and we when have, do we, we not have fun? When do we, we not? We have always fun? have no, but fun. It and would there's, work, there's so, so many But it would work, though, so. because you would have the dinner meal menu of chicken parmigiano, fettuccine alfredo, spaghetti con with am- meatballs, am- am- matriciana sauce. big meat, meatball <laughs> sandwich. Big meatball sandwich to go with it, too. Yeah. A matriciana with cream. And a tiramisu martini to wash it all down. Or a cappuccino. I was going to say, you have to have your post-dinner cappuccino. Mm-hmm. Got to do it right. Pineapple Yum. pizza. Mm-hmm. Well, by the way, mm-hmm. by the way, though, I can <laughs> indulge your, your. I'm sorry, I should remember the name. What's your name? Manette, your co-host. <clears throat> Forgive me, the name. Callie. Thank you, Callie. Oh, from my po- other podcast. Uh, because I heard then the, the she eats pineapple and and ham. And this is British mm-hmm. ham on her pizza, and you know, just a little bit of pride. I don't know pineapple <laughs> and ham. I I tried to shame her. There was she was having none of it. No. She her excuse is that no. she was born and I, raised in London. I, I was like, honey, that doesn't matter. I tried pineapple, and it, if it makes sense, mm-hmm. yes, but. Not, you know, if you're going to have cheese and tomato. No, no, no. That's the, no. I would, you know, I didn't mention it during the, no. during the show, but I will, I'm going to put these links in with all the funny videos is the concept of putting cheese on seafood. Or worse than I'm going to have, I'm going to go to England. That's, I'm that's going to have a tea crime. time. I'm going to have scones and I'm going to have some tacos at tea time with tea. Mm. But Giovanni, I remember us talking about this. I can't remember where. I think it may have been when I interviewed you for my other podcast. And I asked you about that. And you said that it's, it's, it, 
it's not so much that there's a huge prohibition against it is that you don't want to cover the flavor of the That's really the good yeah. seafood. Yeah, don't destroy the seafood. Why are mm-hmm. why are you putting something on it that mm-hmm. essentially, what that essentially sense, yeah. negates the seafood? But that's the whole notion. If you want to go, if you want to go to Germany, mm-hmm. be German about it. But if you want to be Italian, be Italian about it. Octone, baby. Yeah, exactly. And on that note, it's been a wonderful show. Thank you both for being here. It's been a blast as always. See what you started, Andy, when you had this idea for this podcast. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That concludes this episode of Sharing the Flavor. For more from Vanessa, please check her out at foodinbooks.com and also follow her podcast as well. For more from Giovanni, please check him out at cookingwithtono.com.